The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 90 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands and welcome to episode 90 of The Catholics of Oz. So good to uh, have you listening to us and to uh, to be streaming through whatever it is that you're listening, whether it's on your phone or somewhere else. And uh, I am joined today by Lino Sabol, my wonderful co-host. Lino, how are you going today? I'm doing well, Lindsay. Doing well. Okay, I always go you know, explain to all our listeners what the kind of weather we have in Melbourne <laughs> yeah, what's today. what's going on today? But it's just, <laughs> it's going on today, but look, it's, it's just hot. hot. It's, it, yeah, because it's, we're, actually we are in good summer weather. Not good as in it is mm. hot. You know, we have, it's been just a constant thing. And of course, um, for us, our Grand Slam has start, well, started weeks ago. Was it two weeks yeah, ago Yeah, two weeks ago, week ago, yep. So... Then this is what we all um, like to watch and, and hear about. So the Australian Open Grand Slam. And at this time of recording, I believe today is Saturday. Yes, yearly. Saturday so time. Yeah, time of recording. will be the ladies final tonight. playing their final. Yep. And the men will be playing tomorrow, tomorrow. Sunday. So by the time this episode tomorrow, comes out, the, there'll be a winner. <laughs> yes, right. We'll yes. be a winner. There'll be a winner. And um, I feel Novak is... Really, he's doing on well. fire. He's yeah, yeah. Um, those medications he's taking are yeah, uh, really those, kicking uh, in. What is it? So, Anti-inflammatories, yeah, for his for his um. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty pretty yeah. good. Um, What's the muscle? His hamstring. That's the muscle. Trying spot. to think of the muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hamstring, yeah. <laughs> hamstring. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. Man, it makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Look, I think he's um. You know, those um, medications are taking must be very expensive because they're doing very yes, good yeah. for what he has yeah. to do. Yep. Uh. Well, I guess um. We'll see. Well, we'll see. Everyone else who's listening knows already. Yeah, but, yeah. but well, we'll, well see. Since we'll is a good player, yeah. um, I'll talk about seeing him. Yes, yeah, seeing is. him play in person. I'll, I'll talk about that in the towards the end of the show. Talk about the Australian mm-hmm. Open and going there. But definitely uh, not. yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's uh, yep, yep. wow. Like he's he's been really good too. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like Djokovic is playing a little bit better. But anyway, we'll talk about that later on. Well, yeah, got a got a few things to say about that. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. all good. All good. Loving the Australian that's like, Open. Yeah, that's, yep. And uh, it has been a good good. It's good been tournament. great. Good yes. tournament. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, in Australia's perspective, in a way, in a sense, it has been. Yeah. You know, a lot of us uh, Australians players tend to uh, uh, not go beyond round maybe yeah, one. Of, yeah, a few Australians go out early. Then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. And yeah. Now, now they go beep, 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 We've got a few, maybe, yes. Yeah, and we have two Australian men playing the doubles final, and they yes. were not seeded players. Uh, and they took out the number one seeds, the number six, number eight seeds. So, yeah, they've, yeah, we'll talk about um, talk about that later too. Yeah. Now uh, there is an absence in our podcast today. So Caroline Knight, my sister and our lovely co-host as well, um, is she has returned safely from New Zealand. So that's really good. Um, and she just needs cool, a bit cool, of time cool. to <laughs> reorient and get everything, get her Aussie life sorted out again, and she'll be back with us. Yeah. She'll be back with us again next show, uh, which would be great because she can start preparing the science segments again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but that's a different thing altogether. 
All right, so uh, let's move on. So uh, first of all, if you're new to listening to the Catholics of Oz, firstly, welcome, and we love having you on board. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so that we can hear from you and also reach new people, which is what we are all about. Thank you if you have uh, left feedback. Sometimes we see it and it's, uh, you know, it's heartwarming. We love it. So thank you very much. And we love you too. So thank you for doing that. Uh, SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz on YouTube. You can subscribe by typing in SQPN in your YouTube search. And while you're there, don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications when new episodes of this show and other shows on the network, which are awesome, are released. So, Lena, with that in mind, let's move on to our first topic of Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So... A couple of years ago, Lino, uh, I believe it was in a September, uh, was it 2019 or 2020? I keep forgetting. But Pope Francis announced that uh, every first Sunday of February, which I believe is the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, uh, will be Word of God Sunday. And we actually did an episode on this last year. Pope Francis, uh, we talked about what Pope Francis had said about it in last year. So I'm not going to cover what Pope Francis said this year because uh, I want to look at something else this time around. Although there's an apostolic letter from Pope Francis, you can look it up and, and read it. Um, and it's worth doing because he has some you know, beautifully wise things to say about God working in Scripture. Uh, but the emphasis of Word of God Sunday is on the Bible and, uh, and why the Bible is so important in the Catholic tradition. Because as I'm about to discuss, it's not just a book. It's not even just a collection of books. It's um, it's so much more than that. It's uh, God working, uh, through, you know, through the words of Scripture, to relate to us. And there's a lot more to say about that. So I found another resource actually, and I, I I'm going to share this in the show notes. Um, and it's from the, um, it's from the American Catholic bishops. I almost said Australian there. It's from the American Catholic bishops. And uh, basically, they've uh, put together a series of videos about scripture, uh, and I wanted to talk about the first one. So there's quite a few, um, and it also has a link to Pope Francis's apostolic letter for this year as well on, on scripture. Um, but it has a, a series of videos, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I will tell you what the topics are. The first one is, who actually wrote the Bible? The second one is, what are the synoptic gospels? So that talks about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Number three is, what parts of the Bible are also read by our Jewish and Protestant friends? Number four is, how is the Catholic, Bi- how is the Catholic approach to reading the Bible different than other approaches? And number five is, how can I practice the Lectio Divina method of, spiritual, of scriptural meditation, which I recommend a lot, by the way. It's a beautiful way to meditate on scripture. It's a very simple process, and it can be very, very enlightening. So um, the American Catholic Bishop shared this link. 
Uh, it's because the, the videos are quite good. Today, I just wanted to focus, um, and I'm only gonna, I'm, so I'm not going to do five weeks of videos, so don't worry. Uh, but um, yeah, <laughs> those days, those were the dark days. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, but um, yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm just referring to all that all that time it took me to go through the um, plenary council documents last year. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of work. Anyway. Um, yeah, well, I was doing my masters and doing a lot of work anyway, so it didn't feel like anything extra. That was, yeah. Wow, that yeah. is, yeah, man. That's what's the, what's that thing they say about giving work to busy people because they'll just do it? I think that's the I don't know. Give it to a busy person. Yeah, actually, it was father, was father right, Michael yeah. Shadbolt who said that to me once as well. He, I yeah, he I remember. This was when uh, yeah. we remember when we had the Men Alive conference years ago. Now, right? So yes. he asked he asked me and Jerry and a few others to be part of like the, the group that would set it up and whatever. And, um, and father Michael had come to me and said, Oh, I'd love for you to be on it. He said, now, um, someone, he goes, oh, so, someone told me, you know, that you're really busy, you know, cause you're a teacher and everything. You've got all this work that you need to do and whatever. And he said, but I said, the best thing to do is give this work to a busy person. Cause they'll just get a ton. <laughs> like, thanks. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. And, okay. and, that, and that's exactly what we did. We got it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, yeah. guys. Awesome, uh, awesome. So anyway, uh, I digress. What I'm trying to get at, though, is, uh, uh, is that, uh, that these videos, I think, are really helpful. Uh, and for any, for any Catholic who wants to, again, go back to learning some things about the Bible, maybe going a little bit deeper than some of the material that's out there, these videos are, are really good. They're explained, they're explained very well. So what I did was, um, the first video is about 36 minutes. I'm not going to repeat verbatim, word for word, what was in the video because we didn't have 36 minutes <laughs> to do that. But what I'd like to do is just share some highlights from the video and really encourage anyone who's listening to then go and look at it themselves later on and, and go into a bit more detail. And again, links to these are all in our show notes. You can, you'll be able to find them there. So on the topic of uh, who... Um, well, so I'll just find it here. So who actually wrote the Bible? This first video is by Father Felix Just. Each of the videos are by different people, different men and women of the church, um, scholars and educated people and so on. So the first one by Father Felix Just was about who actually wrote the Bible and looking at what the Catholic Church says about this topic. So uh, I'll just share a couple of a couple of thoughts from there. So he said, uh, don't Catholics believe that God wrote the Bible? And he says, well, ultimately, God is the author, but there's more to it than just God wrote the Bible. So he said, for example, we might look at the idea that the Bible has, the books of the Bible have titles like the gospel according to Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. So it already talks about how the Bible, it's not just written by God, that that actually written by God has a lot more nuance to it than just simply uh, God wrote the Bible. So then who wrote it? Was it the human authors or was it God? The Catholic tradition says it's both, not either or. So it, there's both. And there are two approaches in understanding the authorship of the Bible, uh, of the books of the Bible. One is the theological approach and the other is the historical approach. And these are, this is all backed up by church documents and the catechism. So from the theological approach, first of all, I'm going to look at this very um, briefly, first of all. The Bible is described as the Word of God, so that we use that title, the Word of God. Yes, so that would imply God's authorship. However, like I said before, we know that the Bible is written by a series of human authors as well. 
So some of the most authoritative teachings in the contemporary church on, on sacred scripture are found in the Second Vatican Council document, De Verbum, which translates into the Word of God. And what's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which was, um, you know, which was partly the work of Pope Benedict XVI, who we spoke about last episode, yep, and his work on the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So he, he did a lot of work on the Catechism. De Verbum uh, informs a lot of what's in the Catechism on, uh, on the topic of, of sacred scripture. So the first thing we need to understand from a theological standpoint is that the formation of the Bible in the church is understood to have three, uh, three stages, so three steps. That is God's revelation, first of all, or self-communication to the world, the, then the transmission of God's revelation from one generation to the next in oral form, which we call tradition, and then the recording of some of these traditions in written form, which becomes the Bible. So those three steps, God reveals God's self. What God has revealed is transmitted or shared from one generation to the next orally. And then some of that is written down. Those are the three stages that the church says that that, that contribute to um, biblical formation. So the first stage that God reveals himself um, or self-communicates himself to the world, um, it says that De Verbum, that document I just talked about before, teaches that God reveals himself in many different ways through all of creation to all people. And this was a gradual revelation over human, human uh, history. For example, we know that the Old Testament or the Jewish Testament uh, is the writings of the Jewish people whom God chose to, to reveal himself to in a very special way. So the Jewish people were the, you know, were sort of like the chosen people to be the bearers of the word of God to, to start with, right? So they... Um, so, you know, we see, we can see that recorded in the Old Testament. Then God chose to fully reveal himself in the fullest way through the person of Jesus Christ, God made man. So that is then the fullest revelation of God to humanity. So over time, God has done this revelation. So this revelation then, this, so when we hear the word revelation, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about the, the, the idea of literally revealing something. So God being revealed to humanity over time so that we can understand God, um, you know, fully. So this, what does the revelation of God do, especially in its, in its um, fulfillment in, in Jesus? It bridges the gap between humans and God, and it shows that God desires an intimate relationship with all people. And this is fulfilled in what we call the Paschal Mystery, or the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The Word of God, therefore, is not just the Bible, but it refers to Jesus. Jesus is also the Word of God because Jesus is the revealer and the Bible contains his revelation, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. So, yeah, so that's the first step in the formation of the Bible is that God has revealed God's self to the world. And that, um, that revelation is fulfilled um, in the person of Jesus. So then Jesus, you know, there he is doing his thing, you know, healing, um, preaching, actions, and so on. So those things that Jesus did were witnessed by his followers, by his apostles. So his apostles then went on to teach what Jesus had taught, you know, to continue the work of Jesus. So they passed on what they saw and what they heard in oral form, you know, that is speaking, you know, teaching. Um, to uh, the next, you know, to the next generation of followers, and that forms what we call tradition. All right, so that 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 is the um, that is uh, everything that's sort of understood about Jesus. So everything that Jesus said and did was not immediately written down and passed, you know, passed on. 
uh, from one, you know, from one generation. That, you know, here's the Bible, guys. Just take it and go for it. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, copy and paste. Yeah. Yeah, copy and paste. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Says, no, yeah. No, not that to yeah. be. No, no, I'm not being. Do, you, do know, you know how long copy and paste would have taken in those days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just, just, just being yeah. silly. No, Sorry, it's all right. guys. It's, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, as in trying, yeah, trying to, you know share the, um, the word of God amongst every, everyone. And, and, and like you said, Lindsay, is like every our, our apostle we, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have their own way of, um, what they call it, um, speaking to yeah. us um, what Jesus was yes. saying. Um, but it all comes to, it comes, comes to the same Forms conclusion. Forms a complete picture, yes. Or, and the same yep. complete, complete yeah. picture of what, hap- what was Jesus trying to, um, and has been um, yeah. telling us. Yeah. Now, I, here's an example, right? So uh, I talked to, I've talked to you a lot about how I went to the tennis and I'll say more about it later. Right. Um, I, when, <laughs> when I had a chat with you about it though, I didn't write it down first and then give it to you. You know what I mean? I, I talked about exactly. it. You know? um, now, now you might, yeah. Now if you were, let's just say you were someone in the media or something else, you might want to write about what I said. If that makes, you know what I mean? Exactly. So you see the process, you know, so it's a kind of a similar idea, right? So, so there we go. So God, uh, again, God reveals God's self to humanity. Human beings talk about it and then they write it down. That's the, that's the, that sort of process. So this process uh, happened for the early, you know, for the early Israelites, the Jewish people. And in, you know, the, the Jewish scriptures were written over centuries, right? So they have a long history. Um, the Christian scriptures were written over a, a course of decades, okay? Um, uh, because a lot of those oral traditions started to be um, to be written in writing, you know, uh, you know, like I said, within within decades of Jesus uh, dying. Um, and so these writings, the thing, these oral traditions that became uh, written, uh, were the foundation of what became our sacred scripture, our Bible. So. Um, the uh, the traditions that uh, were written down, uh, like I said, became scripture, but it was done what we we say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we say inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we don't mean that the Holy Spirit dictated word for word what each writer should put in scripture. The church doesn't accept that. Um, now, uh, so the video mentions this, and I've heard this before. There are sort of artworks. Um, you know, and, and you know, with well-meaning, I'm not knocking them or anything. I don't. I would never do that, right? But there are some artworks which will show the evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with, um, say, a bird, you know, sitting on their shoulder or somewhere in the in this, you know, flying around, you know, like telling them what to write, you know, whispering in their ear or something like that. You know, what, what do you want me to write next? You know, but the thing is that that's a very literal sort of understanding of how this process unfolded. So. The church doesn't say that there was a divine dictation that God said, now I want you to write this. Now I want you to write that. Write it down word for word because it's what I want, you, I want it to say. Yeah. So um, so uh, Dave Verbum, which is also quoted in the Catechism I said before, says that the, um, the books of the Old Testament and New Testament in their entirety are sacred because they're written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They have God as their author and have been handed on to the church as such. But God chose people and acted in them and through them so that the Bible contains what God wanted to be in it, the message that God wanted to be in it, but did this through the skills of the writers. So the writers used their skills to fashion the story that we read, fashion the scripture that we read. And this was done in a way that God intended for the sake of our salvation so that we could come to know God 
and, and experience God's you know salvation. Uh, so uh, Dave Urban says that to understand Scripture fully, we need to know the historical context of each text and also the literary conventions and writing styles of the authors. So uh, what we mean by this is we can get a fuller understanding of what Scripture means. So we can understand what its intention was for the people who it was written for originally and what the intention is for us here now in the world that we live in, which is different from the world you know, of the original stories. So, for example, we know that, um, that uh, Judaism was undergoing a big upheaval um, because of Christ and because of the destruction of the temple. And Judaism had split off into two groups, the sort of the, um, the Pharisaic Jews and the, and the Christian Jews, the, the Jews who believed in Jesus, who believed in the revelation of Jesus. And so, uh, and so the authors, uh, as you can see, some of the, some of the gospels um, are very Jewish, like Matthew's gospel uses a lot of, you know, Jewish tradition uh, um, to show that Jesus, for example, he'll have the message that Jesus is the new Moses, for example, you know, Moses was like this. Well, Jesus is the new Moses. So he'll make that point. So, um, so that's why we read a Jewish tradition, you know, um, uh, in in the scriptures, uh, because you know Jesus, uh, you know his message, um, it, uh, it you know it's uh, sometimes a little bit different from you know from some of the very harsh uh, laws that kind of governs people's lives. Um, you know when he was around, which eventually got him executed, as we know as well for for criticizing some of those laws. So, yeah. Okay. So then, uh, yeah. So then we have. Well. Um, the four gospels amongst all of scripture and they share a special place in scripture because they are the revelation of Jesus. So in terms of the writing of the Bible, uh, we also have to be careful, right? So, uh, and he mentions this as well in the video, um, the chosen series, which I love, right? It's a great series, but there are some things in it that are a little bit funky from time to time because, you know, it's, you know, look, <laughs> okay. and, and oh, I'll, wow. I'll get what I, to what I mean by that. Now, when I watch The Chosen, I watch it as symbolism, not as history, okay? And I, I do like that it's a grounded Jesus with grounded people, you know, um, that we can relate to, that have problems that are similar to our problems, and I, I love that about the series. And I think that makes the encounters with Jesus a lot more authentic because, Jesus encountered people who were real. So we've got these real encounters. So, exactly. so it's beautiful. And there's some really beautiful encounters and, and, thing, and interpretations of what Jesus does. However, we might see scenes like um, somewhere in the first season when Jesus calls Matthew, you know, um, we see Matthew with like a, a notepad and sort of like writing things down that Jesus says and does. Um, you know, oh, or we, okay. see, we okay. see Matthew in one scene helping Jesus to write the Sermon on the Mount you know, the Beatitudes and so on, right? So, all right. So the thing is, though, the church can't necessarily accept that particular, those particular scenes as, uh, as helpful because what it does is it conflates, it combines those three steps I talked about. So first, in scriptural formation, there was the revelation, then there was the old tradition, then there was the writing. This seems to imply that the revelation, the old tradition, the writing all happened at the same time. It's happening yeah. at the same time. So, so the church doesn't necessarily accept that. Now, if you're a fan of The Chosen, continue being a fan of The Chosen, okay? And make your own judgments about it. I'm a fan of The Chosen. I, I love it, right? So, um, so, don't, so don't, um, don't take this as me going, don't watch it anymore. It's bad. It's not bad. We're, 
as you know, as Catholics, we're all thinking people, and we can you know we can look at the bits that we think are really helpful, and we can look at the bits that say oh, it doesn't necessarily gel with what we believe, and that's fine. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. um, now we also say uh, that the Gospels are historically reliable, but there is nuance to that as well, because so although the Gospels are historically reliable in that they talk about Jesus, who was a historical person who lived, you know, God made man and who did the things that he did and said the things that he said. However, there are always going to be, you know, some, I don't want to say inaccuracies, that though actually the word he uses is discrepancies between the, the different, different, between the different gospels. Yeah, I heard, of, I heard a lot yeah. about that. So yeah. let's look at this, right? So for example, in the four gospels, not every event is placed in the same order chronologically, right? So the cleansing of the temple appears sort of towards the end of some gospels. In John's gospel, it's like in chapter four, it's like somewhere near the beginning, right? Um, or, and the other thing is, is, as well is this, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, the Bibles, uh, the Gospels, the New Testament is written in Greek because Greek, you know, because the, we're in a post-Hellenistic world, right? The, you know, the Greeks were, you know, like the, the dominant, you know, Alexander the Great and so on. They were the dominant force before the Romans. But when they were the dominant force, Greek culture was, you know, sort of overwhelming other cultures as well. So there's a whole lot of history to that too. However. The Gospels are Greek translations of what Jesus said in Aramaic. So, so wow. does that make them unreliable? No, it doesn't, right? No. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking about how can you imagine trying to trans, like, translate it. It has to be the, who's, who would be the translators? That well, to, I mean, they would. From Greek yeah, to well, Aramaic. I mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what was it again, Lizzie? So, so uh, what Jesus said in Aramaic written, being translated into Greek. So. There's always a couple of discrepancies here and there as well, but that doesn't take away from the idea that the Bible is what God intended in, in its form that it is in now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, after the ascension of the Lord, the apostles handed on what he had uh, said and done with the fuller understanding which they, instructed by the glorious events of Christ and enlightened by the spirit of truth, now in- enjoyed. So the complete Gospels as we find them are the product of decades of oral teaching and even writings which may have already existed. The evangelists selected which stories to include in their Gospels, they decided which order to arrange them, and then shaped the stories to best witness to their audiences effectively. So there is some uh, editing going on in the sense that they knew who they were writing for. So they shaped the Gospel, not the events of the Gospel, they shaped the order of the stories, uh, particular emphasis on things, so that the particular people or audiences they were writing it for, um, it, it would have the impact, the effective impact of evangelizing them. And that's, that's what we have there. So the other thing is, uh, when we say uh, they didn't write everything, they selected some things to write, uh, there's no way you could contain everything Jesus said and did in, in a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. wow. And yeah. I think John's Gospel from yeah. Memory says something to that effect. Couldn't be contained in all the books, you know, in so many books or whatever else. And I'm misquoting that very, very badly. Uh, so um, the other thing is this, right? The, the Bible didn't form the church. The church didn't come out of the Bible. The Bible came out of the church. The church formed the Bible. So when Jesus ascended, he didn't hand a Bible and said, here, just read this, you'll be fine. Uh, rather, yeah, um, there, were, there were writings about, you know, there were lots of different writings around, including some Gnostic ones, which contain some funky things about Jesus, which don't necessarily gel with, you know, with other things. Um, but the church went through a process that took a couple of centuries, 
in which in which they canonized books. That is, they um they formed the books or they they put together a series of books which became the canon of scripture. These are the books which contain the revelation of Christ. Uh, so that is the gospels. That is the letters that follow the book of Acts, the book of Revelation. In fact, there was debate about the book of Revelation of about whether or not it would, it would be canonical or not. And eventually, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it was decided that it, um, it was canonical. And there's a lot of reasons. I haven't got time to go into justifications, but there are a lot of justifications for why it absolutely is. It's one of, it is actually my favorite book of, of scripture, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, uh, but yeah, so what we what the church says is that the books um, that make the Bible now, um, the seventy three books of the Old and New Testaments in the you know in in the Catholic Bible, that is as God intended it, so that God could transmit His love for us, relate to us, and ultimately save us. So that's the first part. That's sort of like a theological you know understanding. Um, then there's the historical as well. So looking at history. Um, and the question is, did the people whose names appear in the titles solely write those books of the Bible, or were there also other contributors who remain anonymous to us as well? Yeah. So this is an interesting topic. Um, and uh, before people get up in arms, wait till I get to the conclusion, okay? Because the conclusion <laughs> is not going to be as bad as you might think it might be. All right. However, determining the historical authorship of these 73 books is very very complicated for a lot of reasons. First of all, you've got seventy three books, right? So that's 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 a big wow. deal, right? To to do that, yeah. So and also look, it depends on the claims that are in the books themselves as well. So for example, not all of the books in the Bible have a claim about who wrote them. So for example, the two books of the Chronicle don't claim to have any authorship. The Epistle to the Hebrews doesn't say who the author is. A lot of people might say it's Saint Paul, although we don't necessarily. The church doesn't necessarily say that it was St. Paul, but it could have been someone who knew Paul or who was close to Paul, but we don't know necessarily, right? Um, however, and this is the point I'm getting to as well, which I'll sort of get to in the conclusion, uh, you are allowed to, as a Catholic, the church says, as a Catholic, you are allowed to assess the evidence yourself and decide if you think Paul wrote it or didn't, wrote it, didn't write it, but it has no bearing on your salvation if you think he did or didn't. All right, so we have uh, the term or the preposition of, right? the book of Job, the book of this, the book of that, right? When we, yeah, when we look at that, that doesn't necessarily refer to authorship either to say that this person wrote the book, right? Um, this could refer to the idea that this book is a compilation of stories of the life of the person who's named. That's correct. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking so about that. here is yeah. the book of Job. It is uh, a book with a series of stories that were compiled about this person's life or about this person person's life. sometimes or the experiences of that person or of what that person heard, you know, the gospel according to Matthew, here is what Matthew heard, you know, uh, of Jesus, you know, maybe who knows, right? Yep. Or here is what a person who knew Matthew wrote about what Matthew said to them. Tradition says um, that the gospel of Mark is Mark writing about what he heard from Peter. All right, one of you know the um one of Jesus' closest apostles, right? Here is what uh, he heard. So he, he's like a he's, so he, I'm being silly yeah. here, but he's like a, one of those students who go who are like, you know oh so you know let, let's say I'm I'm you're doing a test or doing something in in, in class and yeah. Lindsay and 
you're writing something and I go, hey, Linz, what, what oh, I better write down what he said or else I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm not saying it's anything yeah. bad. I'm just being silly yeah. about it. This is good stuff. They, I'm going to yeah, write it down for later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But look, well, again, to use yeah. that analogy before, all right, imagine, you know, Peter went to the Australian Open. He told Mark what he saw and Mark decided to write it down so others could know because it was important, right? In this case, though, Peter had an experience of Jesus, a profound experience of the revelation of God right there in his face, which would have been indescribably amazing. He had committed to sharing that message, to following what Jesus had told him to do, which was to share that message. And he did. And Mark, who was a contemporary of Peter, wrote down particular things that, that Peter had said um, and then fashioned it into what we call the Gospel of Mark. Gospel yeah. of Mark. Yep. Uh, sorry. Okay. Cool. Um, sometimes tradition, the tradition of the church, has attributed the author of the of books to a person much later. So, for example, a book might have been written, and then later on down the track, they might say, "We think it was this person, most likely." We call that tradition, right? That's not necessarily based on any historical evidence. Sometimes it might be, yeah. or sometimes it might not be. Okay. Um, yeah. But it could be based on p- assumptions where there are clues in the books, and that's fine, all right? Um, but sometimes it might not be fine, too. Where, you know, it might not be as accurate because uh, later biblical scholarship might reveal other things. So, for example, um, some Protestant evangelicals and some very Orthodox Jews, um, they uh, believe that the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. So, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I'm glad I could do that. All right. So, uh, we, yeah. Oh, wow. We, so, wow. And now, the reason, why, the reason why I can name those first five books is because they're called the Pentateuch. In the Catholic Church, we call it the Pentateuch. Uh, the Jewish people call it the Torah. Um, but it's yeah, but it's the first right, it's the first five books, is. right? So um Torah. Yeah, Torah. Yes, yeah. yeah. so always wondered what Yeah, so Torah, Torah is the yeah, first five books or the law, right? So the first five books of Jewish scripture is the exactly. Torah or the law. Scripture. Yeah. Torah. Uh, yeah, yep, and then they yep, have yep. prophets and other, you know, other other texts for you know, um also as well. Um you know, however, we don't we wouldn't necessarily agree with Moses' authorship, although you're allowed to. That's the thing, right? You're allowed to. Um, but but historical scholarship might disagree. And the reason for that, I'll give you one clue, right? So um, in, the, uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, we have, we can discern different styles of writing of possibly three to four different schools of Jewish thought, right? So, so for example, the, um, I've said this before, the first creation story, Genesis 1, to Genesis, I think it's 2, verse 3, I think that was the, or 2, verse 4, something like that. All right, that's the one about in the beginning God created. And on the first day there was this, the second day there was this. But then immediately after, there's a second story about creation. And it's a little bit different. And some of the events are in a different order. And it's not written in the same structure. It's written in a different style. So, yeah. So what we can imagine is that actually it wasn't necessarily Moses Right, writing a bunch of different creation stories, right? And then changing the order and whatever else. That wouldn't necessarily make any sense. But it could be the, could have multiple Jewish authorship of different schools. They talk about, you know, the priestly school, the Yahweh school, um, the other, the other one that I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, but these different, different schools who, who all had different versions, which were all edited together because they all contained value. They all contained God's revelation. So this is why we say again, it um, doesn't matter if there's two versions of creation because it's as God intended so that God could relate to us uh, and say something to us about our salvation. 
So that's why we might see two stories that are contradictory. It's not a problem. It's not, not actually a problem at all. Um, so it's just different literature that's been stitched together. So, um, and that's, that, that, that's just referring to the, the idea that the first five books were written by Moses and so on. So also, later traditions also fixed titles to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John um, were titles that were affixed to the, those Gospels uh, later after they were written. So the Gospel, and that's why we say the Gospel according to Matthew, according to Luke, according to, yeah, according, according to, according right? to Luke. Now, again, again, people can have debates about, you know, whether this person was the author or not. And again, it's fine. It's actually okay to debate and discuss and settle where reason takes you. And it's okay. Because again, it does not affect your salvation if you think, yes, it was, you know, titled by Matthew, but maybe written by someone else, you know, maybe a contemporary or whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so, uh, just a couple of other quick points to finish up. So, for a long time, um, the church simply accepted this tradition. You know, first five books written by Moses. You know, the, the books were written by whoever's name appeared on it. However, um, since 1943, so Pope Pius XII produced a document. Um, oh, Divine... I'm just getting the title really wrong. Anyway, you can look it up. Um, <laughs> and then Dave Urban, which I mentioned before in the 1960s, um, these have allowed scholars to carefully examine scripture and to debate and question the authorship. Now, let's get this really clear about what this means. The reason why scholars are encouraged to carefully examine scripture and its authorship and, and question its authorship is not so they can promote an agenda not so that they can go out trying to debunk Gospels, but so they can get to the greater truths of the Gospels. They can reveal, you know, maybe get a couple of glimpses into, you know, a more truer understanding. So if anyone comes to you and, you know, says all this nonsense about you have to believe this is the author or that is the author, this scholar says this, this scholar says that, your response is, that's nice. (laughs) That's nice. All right? Because (laughs) the church allows you to make, you know, again, a reasoned determination and then to question that determination and so on. So Catholics are allowed to consider these debates themselves and make these reasons determination. And, and here it is again, avoid extreme positions, first of all. And the other thing is avoid harshly criticizing someone who might have a position different to yourself. Because, yeah, you know, yeah, again, yeah. we're a church of people who are meant to listen to each other. And when we're not listening, we're not being Christian. Because, right? you know, again, when we listen, we can challenge each other, which is good. This is good because the reason we challenge and question each other is so that we can search for truth together, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. So the thing is, though, at the end of the day, questions of authorship, again, are not linked to our salvation. Catholics are required, only required to accept that the books of the Bible are as God intended. So we can't, a Catholic can't say, actually, you know what, Book of Revelation, I don't think it fits in the Bible. Uh, we're not allowed to do anything like that. Um, what we are supposed to do is understand that what we have now in the Bible is what God intended for us so we could know God, understand God's revelation, understand that God wants to relate to us and respond to that relationship in faith, and then go and act in our lives in the way God intends for us, and then experience God's salvation You know, at the end of our lives. So, understand. Totally yeah, understand. so as a footnote, um, and I like this point that Father Felix makes. How important are these texts to us? How important are they in the life of the church in terms of knowing God? Well, let's think about when we go to Mass. 
when a lector reads the first and the second readings, they say the word of the Lord. And what's our response? Thanks be to God. Be to God. Thanks be to God for these words. Right, you know what I right. mean? For this Bible that we have, this inspired Bible. Thanks be to God that we have this recording of, you know, um, you know, of, of revelation for us. And when the that's one thing I yeah that's what I'm sorry Lisa that's one thing I always forget when I do the reading, but that reminds me it's not this is the word of the Lord it's this is yeah, the, the word of the Lord the one, yeah the word of the, the Lord the word of the Lord this not yeah. this, this is the word of the Lord and I have to remember to say that after, after I do a reading yeah because well, it's very hard <laughs> to, to sometimes very hard to get the old parts out of your head yeah that's right um, and then the gospel the priest says the gospel of the Lord and we say praise to you Lord Jesus Christ. Again, because of the, the preeminent privileged position of the Gospels in ultimately revealing God through Jesus. And so we offer praise to Jesus for that revelation uh, because it's a revelation of love. It's a revelation of relationship. It's a re- revelation of you live your life and sometimes it's suffering and here I am right here speaking to you through, through Scripture so you can know that I'm here. And there's you know and and relate to me and so on and ultimately I want to save you. So uh, scripture is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, that's you know um and that's why we have this beautiful gift of scripture and this is why Pope Francis does, has Word of God Sunday so that we can remember the important role of scripture in our church. So there you go. Any nice. thoughts, Lido? Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable, Lindsay. I yeah, with all the questions I've asked, is bad. Yeah. Um, how would someone um, be writing down, um, you know, what the what Jesus was saying or even doing during his yeah. time, and um, and do, during the um the decades and the years, um, the monks would they what were they doing? So following, yes, yeah. I've been here. Um, so were they? Yeah. Doing so it? in uh, so following, uh, there were uh, in history, um, the continued transmission of scripture so you know before the printing press or anything um you know for example we have um, examples of what we call illuminated manuscripts that you know they're writing with the special you know like um you know like fonts and you know calligraphy. Like, oh my, well it's not clear yeah. yeah i mean yeah like calligraphy kind of thing yeah that special writing but yeah but the way to pass on the bible or to make more copies was to literally write it word for word that would have taken yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh wow yeah. oh wow see because oh, wow. i'd be like um I'd, if I was one of those monks, I'd say the you know the one next to me. You do the Old Testament, I'll do the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh! And then I'll be I'll be finished. I'll be finished. You know, in a couple of weeks, it'll be take a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was one of the ways that scripture was transmitted. Um, and I know that like I know that they were very very scrupulous about this. And if there were any mistakes, those copies would be burned because they contained you know yeah. So they were very very scrupulous about ensuring that there were no errors in that in that written tra- transmission. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. but that comes okay. after okay. Okay. scripture is being canonized. You know, and by, again, by canonized, I mean like the list of books that are officially accepted by the church as revelation by God. Yes, was yeah. was yeah. The, yeah, the writing of the um what the monks were doing were they done before or after when the uh, the, the after, canonization? Uh, after, yes. Although there were there would have been writing and so on, but the thing is that the sort of like um that Middle Ages, you know, kind of I think that was around that time anyway. Yeah, so. I'm sure okay. there's someone who knows okay. more than me about this who'd be able to answer that question too. Yep. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, 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 um, I'm just, yeah. I'm thinking about that. You know, um, I know the monks and, and all other people doing calligraphy, um, 
uh, what was Muslim monks or other um, all kinds? Yeah, uh, yeah. Other people of our faith, yeah. all kinds, or who are copying, copying yes. the Bible. Yep. Um, copying the, yeah. know, the writings and everything, and we see it. Mm. We see it in um, when we look at it and on pictures yep. and and the artwork and everything yes. they've done, and it looks beautiful. And, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, mm. the, the word by word, and like, of course. That'll do both of them. You yeah, know, the New Testament, Testament, yeah, and take the forever. Testament. And the thing is, though, as well, that this is why people couldn't have a copy of the Bible in their homes and so on, because, I mean, to copy by hand, like a copy for everyone, <laughs> even one favorite, would take forever. Yeah. It would impo- be impossible. Uh, but this is why you see also a lot of, uh, you know, artwork, because the artworks tell the stories and they hear, they, they hear the scripture, you know, they hear scripture in, you know, in masses and so on, but um, being proclaimed. Um, yeah, and yeah, and that's why I've done episodes on artworks before. They're amazing as well. They 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 reveal a lot about scripture. They help to bring out the meaning of scripture in, a, in very profound ways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, shall we roll on? Um, I'm just looking at time, so let's roll on and let's talk about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's do some work on science. Ah, what a fine day for science! You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. Science, 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 science. Science, 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 science. Yeah, I like science. So, Lena, I've got a short science topic today. Um, and uh, I, you are welcome to think about the second Terminator film as much as you want as I go through this because oh, I am talking been. about a shape-shifting wow. robot that can turn into liquid and escape a cage. And this is from, this is from Sci News, uh, and it was uh, published on the 26th of January, 2023. So here we go. Researchers from Shenzhen campus in Sun Yat-sen University, Carnegie Mellon University, and Chinese University of Hong Kong, and uh, Xi'an University have created a new phase-shifting material dubbed a magnetoactive phase transitional matter. You know, that's tech- technobabble, wow. which we will now call MPTM to make it easier. MPTM. Right. Yep, yep, yep. So they embedded magnetic neodymium uh, iron boron microparticles. So neodymium um, magnets are those really strong ones. So they, um, they uh, embedded these um, microparticles in gallium, which is a metal with a very low melting point. So gallium melts at 29.8 degrees Celsius, which is, um, Ooh, which is, which is about hot. six degrees cooler than what it is today here in Melbourne. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the team's material, this material they've made, this MPTM, can reversibly switch between a solid and liquid phase by heating with alternating magnetic fields or through cooling. Mm, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Me. And there's a video. So, in the wow. link in the show notes, there's a short video of this little, looks like a little Lego man who melts and leaves a, well, passes through a grid and then reforms himself. <laughs> so be very afraid. Oh, <laughs> no, actually, um, oh, when wow. we get to the practical applications, it's actually really interesting. So let's, let's get to that. So, so traditional robots, we know are hard bodies. You might, you would have seen robots of different, you know, like your vacuum robot, your, uh, your mower robot, your bipedal robot with arms and legs, you know, limbs and so on. Um, you know, whereas these soft robots uh, have the uh, opposite problem. 
They're flexible but weak at the moment. So um, their movements are difficult to control, said Dr. Sheng Feng Pan, a researcher at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. So he said, though, giving robots the ability to switch between liquid and solid states endows them with more functionality. The magnetic particles have two roles, uh, one of the researchers said. One is that they can make the material responsive to an alternating magnetic field. So you can, through induction, heat up the material and cause the phase change. So you know... You know how we have like our gas stove, but then you have an induction stove which uses magnets to heat things. Um, so, and I love yeah. those stoves. Those so, so not induction yeah, stoves are right. So, so cool. this is it. This is induction, right? So not the heating element stove, but the actual induction that uses magnets, right? Yeah, magnetic fields. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. the magnetic particles uh, also give the robots mobility and the ability to move in response to that magnetic field. So, yeah. So this is different to um, the currently existing phase-shifting materials that rely on heat guns, electrical currents, and other external heat sources. Mm. Uh, this one, you know, mm. uses induction, which is better. So the team's new material, the MPTM, boasts an extremely fluid liquid phase compared to other phase-changing materials whose liquid phases are considerably more viscous. So before exploring potential applications, the researchers tested the material uh, in a variety of contexts. So with the aid of the magnetic field, I love this, the robots jumped over moats, climbed walls, and even split into half to cooperatively move uh, other objects around before coalescing back together. This is Deep Space Nine's Odo. You know what I mean? This is Odo. <laughs> that's right. Oh, you know? Yeah, think about Odo. Yeah, that's another way. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, is more yes, pleasant than thinking yes. about T-1000 from Terminator. I'll just say that too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terminator. Definitely, definitely. Yep. So yep, yep. in the video I just mentioned, a robot shaped like a person liquefies itself, oozes through a grid after which it is extracted, and then remolds itself back into its original shape. So... Dr. Pan says, now we're pushing this material system into, a more, into more practical ways to solve some very specific medical and engineering problems. So this is what they envision. They don't envision robots that will take over the world and kill us all, all right? So what they're envisioning is actually something that's good for humanity. <laughs> so uh, what they say is that, yeah, so on the biomedical side, for example, um, they've used the robots to remove a foreign object from a model's stomach. To and to deliver drugs wow. on, dem on demand into the same stomach. So instead of, say, for example, invasive surgery, what if, and this is a little bit freaky, but what if this robot could go into your body, uh, remove the whatever it might be, an obstruction or a, you know, or a, um, a cyst or, a, or a, a something else, you know, a growth um, that's giving, you know, that's causing medical issues. What if it could go into your body and remove that or... What if it could deliver drugs directly to the site where they need to be delivered to be effective? So that's that's one um that's one use there. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So they also uh, demonstrated how the material could work as a smart soldering. Uh, so smart soldering robots for wireless circuit assembly and repair. So it would. I can see that yeah. happy too. So it that. could yeah, yeah, ooze yep, yep. Uh, into hard to reach circuits and act both as a solder and a conductor at the same time. That's kind of smart. So um, what they say is this could actually become a, a universal mechanical screw for assembling parts in hard-to-reach spaces. Um, it could, for example, go into the space and then melt into the threaded screw socket and then solidify so no actual screwing is required. Yeah, Whoa. it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. wow. 
Oh my goodness um, me! This wow. is this is like you, we talked about self healing concrete. This is like the next level. You know, last time it's yeah. This is the yeah. Level. yeah. This is now wow, we've got people. self you uh, know self shaping metal. You know, uh, in- oh, intelligent is- metal. You know that could be that could be used for medicine or could be used for engineering, as we just talked about. It's it's absolutely amazing. Yep. I. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Dr. Um, Dr. Majidi, yeah, one, oh. one of the doctors, Dr. Majidi, who works on this, said, future work should uh, further explore how these robots could be used within a biomedical context. What we're showing are just one-off demonstrations, proof of, proofs of concept, but much more study will be required to delve into how this could actually be used for drug delivery and for the removing of foreign objects. And um, the team's work appears in a journal called Matter, and in the article that I've shared, there's a link at the very end of that article um, to that journal so that you can have a look at it for yourself. So uh, there we go, Lino. What do you think about these sort of self, self-molding oh. robots that can change their shapes to adapt to tasks? Oh, that's amazing, Lindsay. That's amazing. And look, it's, it's great to know that there's a um, um, sort of a medical way of um, going through yeah. it too. Um, you know, um, do the research in helping... Um, the medical team and however they can. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And like you said, I'll just come back and think about um, you know, Terminator. <laughs> but I just hope I think it'll be hope just hope and pray that it goes the other way that it helps with the medical team and helps with um, you know, construction mm. in however it is. And and it looks it's a it's just things is like it's so far ahead of its of its own time. Yeah. You can imagine as we'll think about this we'll talk about this Hopefully, maybe about five years from now, and all of a sudden, hey, look, there's some sort of melting um, yep. composite that you can use for um, building. Yeah. We go, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. We heard about it. It's called um, yeah. <laughs> what was it? T? What was it? What was it? Acronym uh, again? MP. Yeah, yeah something. M- I, I've let it go. MPTM. Yeah, that's right. I get my letters mixed up. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, yeah. they'll, they'll probably have to maybe call it something yeah. else. Make it well, you can buy, liqui- uh, for people you can buy liquid nails, right? Well, this takes it to the next level. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. Is, yes, that's a good point. Liquid yeah. nails, that's right. Well, you said before, and that's yeah. strong. That is, yeah. that well, is this strong. Be, I mean, this is a metal. Strong. Yeah. Strong. One question I would have, you, the, the metal that they used, they talked about having a low melting point of 29 degrees or whatever, or 28 degrees. I wonder... So what happens if, you know, if there's extreme heat involved? I'm sure that that's a, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, it's a proof of concept, but, you know, there, yeah, there are obviously a lot of hurdles getting this from a proof of concept to an actual practical application. But we've seen, you know, early foundational science become, you know, something very practical decades down the track. So uh, we'll just have to see, yeah, see what, what happens there. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Quick question: awesome. yeah. Would yeah. you would you allow one of these robots into your body to if you had a medical issue? Oh wow! And and um, would you want to be conscious? Uh, oh no! Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. that is a great yeah, question to think about. I, I'm just that is that is it's. I'm going to be realistic in a sense. It's like depends on how much it is, and if you. <laughs> It was really desperate that you need to. Be oh, it has to be funded by Medicare for you know? sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, So my answer would be yes to question A, and no to question B. Mm. I think I'd be happy for them to to knock me out. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I. I don't know if I'd want to feel this thing moving around. You know, getting down to my stomach so it could you know save my life, unless it was an emergency. Yeah, I think I'll have to be knocked yeah. out. 
Oh, yeah, well, emergency. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, man. Lindsay. Oh, that, Lindsay. That's a great, that's a great cold topic. That's, that's cool. Really yeah, I thought it was an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then next time we, we get Caroline should be around, she can do some real science for us, like into a technical science topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We haven't heard about plants in a while, so we need Caroline back. <laughs> yeah. Plants, plants. Yeah. Yes, please. All right. Let's, um, let's finish off the show and talk about what's entertaining us. Not what we came here to do. No. But it's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? So, Lena, do you mind if I go first for this one? I, I've already hinted oh, at it several times, definitely. but uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> so um, my son Damien uh, is a he likes playing tennis now, so he's he's enjoying himself. And he had mentioned to me last year that he'd like to go to the Australian Open, so I started looking and you know researching and whatever. Uh, and so what a sane person would do, Lino, is you would buy a ticket for a day session. Or a night session. So a day session is typically, you know, the matches start at 11 o'clock, finish at about, you know, 6.30 p.m. or so, right? And you can arrive at 9 o'clock, check the grounds out, you know, spend a day there. Then the night session, you know, about 6.30 to whatever time it finishes. And, yeah, and, and we know that that can be 11 p.m. or it can be 4.30 yeah, in the morning. Yeah, the next day. So um, yeah. sometimes you get more value for money than you bargained for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway... I thought, let's make a big deal out of this. Let's do the day and the night session. So, um, yeah. And not only that, let's go Centre Court, Rod Laver Arena. So, that, where it's all happening. And the reason why I thought Centre Court, because you're always going to have big names there. We want to see some of the, the bigger name players. Um, and I thought, for the night session, let's get front row seats. So, uh, so yeah. Wow. So, um, okay. so okay. I okay. booked these tickets, um, which I'll be paying off for about the next 30 years. Uh, no, I exaggerate, <laughs> I exaggerate, I exaggerate, I exaggerate. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, I booked these tickets last year before new year's, like a couple of days before new year's, um, because the draw doesn't get released. Who's playing until, you know, a couple of days before the actual open. Cause they've got the qualifiers and everything as well. Yeah. I think so it is. I yeah. Figure, that's correct. You know, the the prices may go up the closer to the date when the draw is known and people are going to rush. You know, they're going to go mad trying to buy tickets, you know. Oh, no. So I thought, let's do it now. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, all right, let's go for day three. All right. So because day one and two is round one. So some of the some of the sort of like lower, less experienced players will be eliminated. I don't mean that as a negative thing, but it's just the way it works out in the competition, right? Yeah, yeah um, that's, that's yeah. the competition. So, yeah. And, and yeah. that means that the top players will play against someone who's made it through the second round. So someone who's a bit, you know, a bit stronger, which is good. Um, so that's what I did. So I booked day three, which was a Wednesday on the 18th of January. Uh, the one thing I was really worried about was the weather, because as you know, it's really, really hot. Um, so I was constantly checking the forecast and then when it got to the week before, it said Tuesday, um, 37 degrees, Wednesday, the day that we picked 23 and raining. And I was like, yes, thank goodness. Because it means, it means the roof is going to be closed on the stadium. And it was. So we were in Rod Laver Arena all day with the roof closed all day and all night. And, um, we both thought it was one of the best experiences of tennis we've ever had ever. And it was amazing. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so we saw the world number one, um, Iga Swiatek, um, playing. Um, she, you know, she was really good. We saw, I think she was number three, the American Jessica Bagula. Um, we saw her play. <gasps> oh, yeah, so it was really cool. So you, oh, that, that, um, and that another American, course, yeah, um, Coco Goff, we saw her play. So that was the women's matches. Um, yeah, they were all great. Unfortunately, all three have been eliminated since, but they, they, were, all, they were all great on the day. Uh, and then we saw, we saw Rafael Nadal. Who, who was amazing to see in person. Sadly, he, he lost that match. He was eliminated. He uh, had hip problems and injuries. But he got, um, he got an amazing standing ovation at the end when he left and everything. It was great. Um, and he was beaten by another American who, sadly, again, has been eliminated, but Mackenzie McDonald, um, which was funny because when people were cheering for him, one person randomly just called out, da 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 and everyone just started laughing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah so Joe. Like McDonald's. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So very American, very American. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then at um, the second the, the second men's match in the evening was um, was Stefanos Tsitsipas versus um, the Australian Rinky Hijikata, who who sadly lost. Oh, wow. Um, but it was a really good match to watch. Um and uh, yeah, so it was a really good day. So you know, we're all we're all like Rinky, you know, cheering him on and everything. So yeah, so it was really good. Yeah, um, so a great yeah, it was a great day. And uh, I'm uh, you know definitely next year we'll, we'll we'll go again, maybe for a night match or a day match this time rather than both. But um, definitely looking forward to to repeating the experience and going again. So uh, yeah, really loving the Australian Open. Cool. Um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, and as we said, the final is tomorrow. Although that's our time of recording, so it would have happened already by the time this comes out. So. May exactly, the, we'll find out who yeah, whoever's the team. May yep. the person you're going for win. <laughs> so whatever that is, yeah. But I'm sure it will be good. Yeah, yeah. Lino, what's been um, what's been entertaining you? Well, the same, the same, Lindsay. Uh, the Australian Open. I've been really in- enjoying it. Um, seeing a lot of um, our Australian players yeah. do well, uh, getting through the rounds yeah. really well. You know, um, very promising. Yep. Um, you know, Alex Dumanol, he was playing. He was great. He yeah. He he's, he was. He, he was great, yeah. and he did yeah. his best. Look, he, he, there, there are times yeah. that he, he couldn't. He, yeah. don't know what. Yeah, to and that's do. what he said. Well, that he ball said comes against Djokovic, he said, "I didn't know what to do," and I, that's that's experience. <laughs> I mean, he's still a fairly young player. That's experience. But he he was number twenty seven in the world, I think. He, yeah, he's in the twenties. Yeah, uh, and he um, you know, uh, it's okay that he lost so badly to Djokovic because everyone has lost so badly to Djokovic, <laughs> even. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, even last night he's against um, at the against Tommy Paul, the another American. Um, so yeah, so lost he lost it in three sets, and um, and the last two sets, you know, the scoreline didn't look awesome. But the thing is, all these players that played against Djokovic played really well. But Djokovic has just been playing at another level, and that's yeah. It's just yeah, he's just going yeah. up a gear, like full on up a yeah. gear. There was a couple of shots last yeah. night that the American made. I go, nah, Djokovic is going to get a return yeah. this. Bang, he returns yeah. it, and it's like, yeah. whoa, yeah. whoa, okay. Yeah. Tommy Paul played really well against Djokovic. He had some awesome he shots, did. but Djokovic just he had did. an answer <laughs> for most of them, you know, that, and that was the, yeah. Exactly. He was just yeah. really pressurizing the American, yeah. and the, the American was making a few unforced errors yes. because, because of the, the pressure, pressure. Well, yeah. the pressure difficult shots, trying, yeah. Of trying yeah. to, we're trying to do the shots, but not making yeah. them. And um, look, and we... Look, all the all these players will learn, mm-hmm. and they'll get better and better. But what I like to what I really like to seeing is is like this is a these are new generations That's coming right. in now. That's right. That you know, uh, we know Federer retired. Mm. Um, now how long Nadal will be out yeah. for? I think it's six weeks. I think. I think. Yes. Yeah, I yep. think. No, no, don't yep. quote me. All the sports people can 
email us and or whatever, yeah. you know, Twitter us. <laughs> Let us know yeah. how long how long Rafael uh, Nadal's out yeah. for. And um, Djokovic, I'm not sure how long he was. He's got he's got that problem. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to last mm. for. But it's good to see these new generations yeah. coming through that are very yeah. promising and very um look uh, very good. Yeah. And, and especially on the Australian side yeah. of of the draw, yeah. Lynn, I'm really looking. Um, Kubla, Hijikata, uh, yep. um, uh, what's it? Um, Dino, Dino, yeah, you know, and um, and when Popperin. Nick Kudos, uh, Popperin was surgery. good too. Popperin, sorry, Popperin he was awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's good. Yeah. He was very. I saw some positivity. He locked away after his first um, yeah. win. He oh second win. He goes. This is the most wins I've done for yeah. the whole year. Yeah, and he goes. Look, I'm just gonna ride this yep. wave. Enjoy my tennis and play. And I can't remember who he played, but the other guy was so. Um, I think Ben so Shelton, the American, who was also really good. Yep. That's right. He Shelton. was amazing. Yeah. He was very good. Yeah. Yep. The other American, um, the, the American I liked the most was, um, was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Corder. What's his first? Sebastian Corder. He oh, was. Sebastian. Now. Sadly, yeah. When that who name came up, that, yeah. when that name came up, Lindsay, yeah. Peter. Yeah. Think, There's a few wow. quarters with yeah, okay, that's back, right. Back yeah, in the 90s. sport is in the quarter oh, family. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. and sadly, yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly yeah. he had to he had to retire that you know his match because of his wrist. He had a wrist injury that which was unfortunate. Um, but I see a good yeah. future for him. I, I really hope. I, I actually would like to see him exactly. win a Grand Slam. I, I actually like his style of play. He's been really good. He beat Medvedev as well. Um, he took out Medvedev, which was yeah, which was something which is pretty amazing. Would be amazing for him. Um, he was being interviewed by by Jim Courier, um, you know, after the match of the interviews. He was being interviewed by Jim Courier, and oh, was it no, no, it was an Australian guy actually. Um, but he was saying, you know, uh, saying, you know, your your family obviously has a sporting history. You know, your dad has, you know, played and won here. He said, um, he said, you know, your sister has won, um, you know, Australian Open golf tournaments and whatever. And he said, you're here right now. He goes, are you the are you the um the the one in the family who's not achieving the most right now? He goes, are you are you the yeah? Oh! And, and, you know, as a joke, you know, everyone said, you know, he started laughing. He's like, yeah, I definitely have a lot to live up to in my family. You know, like yeah. He goes, he goes, oh. he goes, I'm falling behind at the moment, but I've got some work to do to get there. Yeah, um, which is you know, it's all in good humor, right? All in good humor, but um, yeah, okay, okay. yeah, but enjoyed him. Yeah, cool, cool. so I I think um. Yeah, like second half of January, it's just the season of tennis here in Melbourne, so it's what entertains a lot of people. The Australian Open's a huge event. We all, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's a good, yeah, good one. Yeah, all right. Well, um, let's call it there. Um, uh, I'll talk about other things that are entertaining uh, later on, like the Bad Batch, which is really cool, and also looking forward. Oh my gosh, I am looking forward to Star Trek Picard in February. Ah, I. I Man, okay. Season, <laughs> season three. Really uh, you know what though? Um, okay. They've uh, they've released um, they've released episodes for the reviewers. You know, under embargo, so they they give them like the first four or five episodes they can watch. Yeah, um, it's it's so they can review. Yeah, is that yeah. correct? Um, and some of the reviewers they they can't say anything about it except that what they can say is it, you know whether they like it or not. And one guy's like, I, I feel like I'm watching the next generation. It's got all the characters I love and how amazing it is and whatever. So. Oh, okay. I cannot wait. I okay. hope it's as good as people are saying it is, but I'm very excited to see all these characters come back for um yeah, for what what Terry Metalis uh, is saying is is the 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 send-off they deserve. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We said for for us we we're, we're still going through the um old series. So we're almost maybe finishing this we're, we're up to the last season, so it's a the good original thing. series you mean? Next or... I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. Original series then then I'll um introduce um Benedict to um the next gen and see how they go. And a bit of Bit of in between um, D Space Nine. Yeah. 
I yeah, will you can see. watch them. We'll they're all, yeah, they're all fun yeah, to watch. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, um, cool. before we go, before we wrap up the show, we uh, want to thank you first of all for joining us for episode ninety of the Catholics of Oz. Uh, we are getting closer to a hundredth episode. Um, but before we go, ninety, yeah, 90 somewhere halfway yay. through this year, I think. So uh, think about that. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. we go, we'd love to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for the Catholics of Oz to continue. So we would love to thank you, Martin G, Kelly G, Jacob S, Mary W, and Andrew G. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other great shows on StarQuest to continue. So you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And remember, if, um, if it's difficult financially to support the network, pray for us. Please don't forget that's so important as well. We cannot, you know, money helps, but we can't get by without people's prayers. So please remember to pray for us as well. We would love to know what you think about uh, the topics we've discussed today. You can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash oz, where you can also find the show notes and links for today's topics. So while you're on the SQPN website, don't forget to sign up to the Insiders Club newsletter and find out what's happening uh, with the network, with your favorite shows, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter, newsletter. And don't forget to find StarQuest on all the socials that you use, including facebook.com slash starquestmedia, at sqpn on Twitter, StarQuest Media on Instagram, I think it was, um, and also the Catholics of Oz Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz. And also don't forget Discord, sqpn.com slash Discord. Talk to other people that listen to the shows and also talk to the host of those shows there as well uh, on Discord with us. Or if you like good old uh, email, we don't do snail mail, but we definitely do email. You can email us at Catholics of Oz <laughs> at Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com. And Oz, don't forget, is spelt O-Z. Lino, thank you so much for being on this episode of The Catholics of Oz. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. And take care, everyone. Well, episode 90. Yeah. We're 10 more. What are we, 100? No, now we've got a party to plan. What are we going to do? It's pressure. I feel like we're planning a what wedding. Oh, my do? goodness. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> Who are we inviting? Where's everyone going to sit? <laughs> what are we going to eat? <laughs> That's a good question. Who are we going to invite for our 100th? Where's it going to be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it had to be here. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be here. In our offices, where we're recording, in front of our microphones. <laughs> Probably not going to be as hard to organize as we think. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, that's all good. Yeah. That's all good. <laughs> I'll just I'll defer to Caroline and see what she wants to do. Yep. 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 <laughs> Caroline, yep. help. Help. All right. And once again, I'm Lindsay Sant, and thank you so much for joining us for episode 90 of The Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.